Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello again, Rich. And by Dominic Booth. Hello. How are you both doing today? We're one week into the transfer window. Are either of you worn out by it already? Yes. Uh, it's not been too bad. Probably because I had three days off last week. It's felt quite serene. Um, but you, one just has to try and zone out from uh, the, the the madness, the, the the online asylum that is Twitter during the transfer window. Yeah, sort of maybe a, a glimpse behind the magician's cloth here. When the transfer window opens... It- it really does just go into overdrive. Everything everyone wants to know about any player, and you could make. I mean, it was in January. United, I cut one of the United uh, uh, people that we know. They had to compile a list, didn't they, Samuel, of how many players were oh, linked yeah. in the end who had moved just in January. And if if United have to keep a short list of every player that was linked this transfer window, they'll already be into about twenty or thirty because we're one week in. We're recording this on the third of August, so literally one week. Uh, since the window opened and United have been linked with a huge host of players already but there's only one player who's on the lips of every United fan at the moment we were sort of inundated in January every tweet we sent was sort of answered with announce Bruno announce Bruno they got Bruno Fernandes in the end so Samuel what's the latest with Jadon Sancho to United? There's there's not really a lot to to report at all Uh, it's it's quite amusing how Suddenly, you see in Germany that oh, actually Dortmund would would be receptive to taking this figure with all these add-ons and blah blah blah. It's almost as if all this posturing that they've shown has been completely pointless because they're always going to cave in because United have got the money. And let's face it, United don't need to be in a massive rush to to get Sancho, even though Chelsea have signed Ziyech, Chelsea have signed Werner, and City uh, pretty much. Um, all but confirmed two deals last week so it's like well why haven't United signed anyone and the the, the pitfalls for for us guys uh, working on these stories and trying and looking to get lines in the transfer window is that um, people like to stick their oar in and to try and make news when there is no news I think Simon Stone of the BBC kind of summed it up well last week when I mean he didn't need to tweet it effectively but I suppose it actually helped in that he said on some like on Sancho and Dortmund, there's there's nothing new there. United want him, um, Dortmund have have a set price for him. But there are certain people out there who want to want to fuel this on a daily basis when there are uh, I hate to hate to break it to, to the people who need their transfer fix in a window, but there are dead days in the transfer window uh, where nothing happens and nothing next to nothing has been happening over the last week. Uh, I mean, we, we try and offer some uh, as, as much guidance as possible, as much context as possible. I still expect Sancho to end up at United. He, he wants to join United. United want to sign him. They've had a long-standing interest in him dating back to when he was at City. Obviously, they wanted him last year, but not getting in the Champions League, that that pretty much scuppered that. Now they're in a position of, of power to, to sign a player who's entered the last two years of his contract. There's no intention of re-signing for Dortmund. Uh, Dortmund have have always had to sell their their, their star players uh, with with maybe only a few uh, exceptions along the way. So it's I think it will inevitably happen. It's just that because it's not happened yet, people 
are getting patient about it and people are trying to maximize it um you know we have people as i said i think the operation at the men is it's pretty damn slick and we we go about it in a very very sensible way i think raul jimenez is another example of that this week which i'm sure you'll get onto at some stage but when people stick their oar in uh, and they're trying to make things happen that are not happening that's where the line lines get blurred and it can cause confusion and, and people end up making mistakes so uh, look i know there's not a lot to add to that but that's that's pretty much it I, I do expect united will end up signing him and this whole deadline that dortmund have, have briefed about which is uh next monday i believe look if united don't don't pay the money on that deadline and they turn up at dortmund on 11th of august or august the 12th with 90 million euros up front or something like that dortmund will accept it that that that's just that that's as inevitable as inevitable can get really. Um, but because Dortmund are having to sell another big name player, they want to they want to own the story. As, as someone in Germany told me, they they want to look like they're the the big guys and it all. That so there's an awful lot of posturing. And I think, in fairness to United, I know it's not popular with United fans because they want they want on the record quotes they want a football sorry a director of football but silence is golden and I completely understand why they operate that way yeah particularly and Dom I guess that means Sanchez has been training with Dortmund this morning Monday the 3rd of August Uh, but in terms of that deadline I mean Dortmund like someone said trying to sort of own the story trying to take the upper hand and see him in control you know they are not under any obligation to sell Sancho this summer, but if the offer comes in, they will sell him. But that 10th of August deadline for you, I mean, Samuels will hint is on it there, but it doesn't really matter, does it? No, it does seem quite sort of convenient because it, it, it does appear to be spanner to United's plans in terms of the Europa League and, and obviously United concentrating on a few on-the-pitch matters and, and maybe not wanting to get their business done until that is completely finished and they can then reset and prepare for the new season it is sort of unique circumstances that we're in at the moment it doesn't usually you know it's not usually the case that Europa League and Champions League are, are being played out while these transfer matters are are up in the air I, I just think that the the incident that summed up the last week or so um Rich was was me and you having a bit of a a, a ding dong with a ITK in the no account on Twitter at the end of last week them claiming that Someone from the MEN had dropped a huge bit of news on some United transfer, and me and you basically saying no, that's that's not the case, you know. And like Samuel says, it you know it's fine for for a day or two to go by without much happening. It's just that's just the way these things will uh, will play out, and and most of the business will get done a bit later on in the, in the window. Yeah, exactly. And I guess like Samuel uh, touched upon there, there's lots of, uh, and it's not a, a dig at fan accounts particularly and stuff like that, but there is this sort of need where they feel they have to maybe get something every day. And like you said, there's going to be dry days, there's going to be days, but there's going to be days and there's going to be people on social media who claim to be in the know. And if they're going to make some lies up, it's good to call them out as we did. So uh, yeah, if you want any of your latest news on Jay and Sancho, it will be with the MEM. We will report on, on what's actually happening. So please do stick with us in terms of that but um samuel i guess this is going to be a question which you can't answer per se but in a rough idea when do you actually expect there to maybe be an agreement between united and dortmund would you expect it to be this week or do you think it will be after the 10th of august deadline that dortmund have sort of set on themselves 
it, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if it is this week. It wouldn't surprise me if it's after the tenth of August. It wouldn't surprise me if it's on October the fourth, given United's propensity for for late deals and negotiations dragging out. But I don't I don't think this will be one that drags on like um like the, the fruitless centre back search um a couple of years ago when uh, Woodward was was quite optimistic after informing Mourinho that he was going to meet Diego Godin's sister because Godin had this like ridiculously low um, release clause I think in his Atletico contract and Mourinho was suspicious and because George Mendes his agent has a lot of contacts at Atletico through doing dealings with them he pretty much put in the call to Mendes saying can you check this out is this you know, is this a goer and Mendes got back to him quite quickly saying no there's no chance he's going to leave Atletico so um at least they're not in that position. I mean, that was uh, probably not the nadir of United transfer windows. It'd still be 2013, but to have come full circle like they did in 2018 was was pretty pitiful. And you, you saw the impact it had on their season. Whereas last year, even though it wasn't a completely fulfilling window, they did get their act in order. And the Fernandez deal in January was, it was a masterstroke. I know he was a very obvious uh, player to go for but they they're still the, t- the the team the club that took the plunge on him Tottenham didn't City didn't um I mean Woodward's been uh pictured arriving at Carrington this morning uh so you know transfers will be on the agenda no doubt there I know that you know, United seem to get frustrated with things like that because it's kind of like man goes to work which I, I get to an extent but there's bound to be interest from supporters perspective when the chief executive is is turning up at Carrington for the first time in the fair old while, I think it's fair to say. So, and and, and also that the transfer window is open at the moment as well. So, look, I think that United have always been of the opinion that the sooner the better, which is fair enough. I think every club would subscribe to that that mantra. But because they are United, it's not always possible because clubs do like to take them for a ride. They do like to add a few million pounds more onto it because uh, United have, of this reputation for, or certainly had this reputation for overspending in the market, and, and in Dortmund's case, with the the fake report from Germany last week that a ninety million pound bid had been made, that was a way of trying to put a bit of pressure on United to try and possibly vainly, if you like, whip up an auction for for Sancho when it's been clear for a fair old while now that United were going to have a free run at him. I know he was linked with, he's been linked with Chelsea a fair. A fair amount of times, but that seems to be because uh, he's he, he was a boyhood Chelsea fan, and and Chelsea have got a bit of money to spend this summer. But as you've seen already, uh, they've they've spent a fair a fair amount already on on Ziyech and Werner and, and Kai Havertz is is the next one they want to to get in. As you know, Rich from from your stories on him. So I know it's there is an element of guesswork in that, but I, I really wouldn't be surprised whether it's soon sooner or whether it's later it's just you know i think all that matters for united is that sancho is is signed in time for the start of next season which is september the 12th uh you don't want to be dragging it on into the season uh i, th- I think that the decision a couple of years ago to to bring the transfer window closure uh to the, the league start date was a mistake it's obviously a little bit more complicated now because uh, of the, the timings with um, the season starting in, in mid-September, but it's still pretty pivotal that they get him in uh, for, for the very start of the domestic campaign. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, there's something that's maybe a bit different on Sancho because the fact is 
United know they want him. Sancho is open to coming back to Manchester. It's not maybe as much of a transfer saga as, as past summers where not even the targets have been decided on at this stage. But United know who their man is. They know what they need to do to get him. It's just a case of negotiating with Dortmund now. And Don, for you, from a United point of view, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? I mean, we spoke earlier in this podcast, the fact that City and Chelsea have both done business already has only amplified the pressure on United to get a deal done early. And the fact that they want Sancho, you know, the pressure is all just, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? But it's also maybe refreshing in the way that United haven't sort of, they've not been reduced and teased into these games that Dortmund are wanting to play. United aren't going to just be tricked into bidding early and paying full whack. They're going to try negotiate the best package for them, aren't they? And the, the time's on United's side, really. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily a massive blow to United that Chelsea and Liverpool, uh, Chelsea and City sorry, have done their business early. Uh, you know, There's this sense that you have to win the transfer window now as if that gets you a few points. I mean, you are allowed to make the current players in your squad better and improve the, you know, what you have and bring academy players through. That's, that's an absolutely integral part of, of developing as a team and United must keep doing that. So, and obviously, like you say, with the, the Sancho situation, it's fine for United to be relaxed about it if they, if they remain confident, as we understand they do, that they'll, they'll get the deal done at some point. It is a little strange that it is so sort of linear and singular in terms of the conversation around United. It is just Sancho, really, that, that we're talking about. There are other areas of the, of the squad that potentially do need to, to be improved. But like, uh, like Samuel said in the past, United tend to operate on a sort of a, a one-out transfer policy. Like last summer, they, they just went for one at a time. And, and that was why maybe they, they didn't get quite as many as they needed. But yeah, you can't argue that if they do get Sancho, that'll be that'll be a success, even if they haven't won the transfer window as as such. Yeah, exactly. And the, the, the arrival of Jaden Sancho, the planned arrival anyway, could have a huge impact on United, not just because they'll have a talisman player, they'll have a world-class right winger, they'll have balance to the attack, they'll have even more rotation options up front for Marshall, Greenwood, Rashford, so they'll get more rest. So yeah, it could only need to be the one signing really that can revolutionise United and actually make them title contenders at least. But uh, Samuel, I think we all know, and we've, there's, there's a good feeling at least that Sancho will be a United player and confident of that really. But uh, for you, if Sancho does sign, what does the priority then become after Jaden Sancho? That's a very good question, Matt. Um, I, I still lean towards another forward because just looking at the way United played over the last month or so, it's clear that the, the reserve forwards aren't quite up to it, or there are certainly, there are certainly reservations about um, their skill set there, which is why someone like Grealish, uh, I mean, the, the, the great... The, Funny thing was, during that winning run United were on, you were seeing questions being asked, like, do United need Sancho or Grealish and all that nonsense, when the answer was was always yes. And then that was exposed as soon as United became tired and uh, it, it wasn't really a surprise that Marcus Rashford started playing like a drain again after he was partnered with Daniel James in the FA Cup semi-final. Juan Mata is, is good for coming on uh, or, or playing against the fodder of the league. But I think this was the first full season he had at United where he didn't break double figures for starts in the Premier League because he's he's now 32 and he, he pace has never been his forte. And the way United want to play, they want to play as, as quickly as possible. So his chances are restricted. He's more of a, a game-changer type, if you like, who should be coming on in games and looking to 
unlocked defences. Uh, as I said previously, I was, I was a little bit surprised he didn't come on in, in the West Ham draw. James has become very one-dimensional, but overall has had, I'd say, he's exceeded expectations in his first season. With Agarlo, he's on loan there until uh, he's, he's still not scored in the league. So, you know, he certainly serves a purpose and he's certainly been a good addition since uh, since he came in on loan from China. But the actual quality there is not is not immense. And when you factor in that Sanchez is probably going to leave, uh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> the fact that Inter Milan is signing him permanently is is just remarkably good luck for United because he's he's just performed at the, exactly the right time. Um, if United get rid of him and it looks like they are going to permanently, then that's that's as good a piece of news as they could get in the transfer window. It's just as good a piece of news as getting Sancho in, I'd argue. Um, Chong will go out on loan next season, you would think. Jesse Lingard, if they get a good offer for him, he will be on his way as well. So when you look at it like that, um, they, they do need another forward. I think the midfield is certainly an area where... They've, they've got an enviable quintet there, but if you're playing Matic every week as a defensive midfielder, that's that's not going to get you very far because he's going to get tired and he's sooner or later he's going to be exposed by someone. And I suppose he was to an extent in the in the semi-final against Chelsea. There was very very little he could do against a fresh um, Chelsea team that really took United to the cleaners. And with McTominay, I know he's played in a deeper role a lot of times for United, but. The way United, the way Solskjaer's used him, he's he's arguably that little bit more attack-minded than defensive-minded, but he is capable of playing that role. And I certainly think they do need a defensive midfielder, a long-term one, if not this window, then certainly next year. And the defence is is a tricky one because there is there is an awful lot of room for improvement there. But as, as Woodward touched upon in in April, I think it was when he talks about people ignoring the economic realities. When you've got Smalling, Jones, and Rojo still on your books, you are going to have to shift them before you can sign another defender. Um, it's it's quite simple as that. A loan will not will not cut it anymore. A couple of those players, they need to just get them off the books. Um, I'd say certainly two of them have more than outstayed their welcome. With with Smalling, it's it's a little bit different because I'd say he's still a better defender than Lindelof. But uh, given the way he's played for Roma and how how he's um, kind of like assimilated in in Roma as well, he he seems to be very keen to uh, to make that move permanent. And he's the most sellable of of those three backup centre backs. And then you've got Bayern to and Zibi who. Um, are just too familiar with the the Canon Medical Centre at Carrington. Unfortunately, they're they're not available anywhere near as enough as as they should be. So that's that made it quite a taxing season for Maguire and Lindelof. And it's I guess it's not a surprise that they were making a few more mistakes towards the end of the season because both of them had been rinsed. But as I said, I think with um, with defence, they need to get players out before they bring someone in. And that's been the case a number of times in recent years with the United. It's a case of having the guarantee that someone's going out before you bring someone in. That was the case with Sanchez because he came in, Mkhitaryan went out. Uh, one of the reasons that they didn't sign a centre-back in 2018 was they couldn't ship Rojo, who has just got to be the most egregious example of the contract uh, strategy that United in recent years. Uh, but at least they can release Rojo this time next year. So it's as I said, you've you've got to always factor that into it, and unfortunately for us, um, I suppose not not just 
not just fans online, I think it's a bit more forgivable, but people within our industry or people who are sticking their oar in, they don't, they're a little bit detached from reality in terms of who United are going to sign. I mean, some people think United were going to sign uh, or should sign, like, yeah, go for Sancho, Koulibaly and Sal Niguez in single summer. I mean, as if United are going to pay that amount of money for those three players uh, without even factoring in who's who, who, who they're getting rid of. I mean, they, they will do very well to make upwards of £50 million in player sales this summer. Just, unfortunately, the, the players that they want to get rid of their market value is not great at the moment, uh, apart from maybe Smalling. Uh, and I don't think Lingard scoring a goal in the final league game of the season really adds tens of millions onto his valuation either. So uh, I think, as, as I know people say, look, you sound like a club mouthpiece here, but Woodward was right when he said that some people ignore the economic realities um, in football, uh, not just in general, but around the pandemic. I mean, the, the, the 200 million Harry Kane story in, in April was... Just, just absolutely bizarre. Um, you know, I think there's obviously United have had some interest in Kane, but even just plucking that figure um, as one as if they would ever spend that much money on someone like him when they've got a very good number nine at the moment, uh, just just beggars belief. Which is why the the whole Jimenez stuff last week. Again, some fans just need to engage with their brain. Yeah, I guess it maybe comes from that sort of video game mentality where if you put a player up for sale, oh, yeah. he'll get a bid in. And if you want to buy any player you want, you can get him. You, you just request the board for more money. As simple as that. Um, but I guess, uh, Dom, in terms of player sales, we did that um, the MEN zone keep or sell where we gave fans the opportunity to vote for which players they want to get rid of at the end of the season. Uh, and you won't be surprised that 94% of fans wanted to get rid of Rojo and Jones. Sanchez was there as well. Andres Pereira. Chris Small and Jesse Lingard, Lee Grant, which I think is very harsh, Joel <laughs> Pereira and, and Juan Mata. Uh, but in terms of defence, we already spoke about that, Dom. There is maybe this growing sort of debate, should United get another centre-back, like Samuel said, that's the fact that they were maybe overworked, why their form did dip towards the end of the season, and they were playing in front of a goalkeeper whose confidence had gone as well. But in terms of a centre-back, do you think United already have enough at the club? Because... It still feels like there's a lot to come from Axel Twanzebe next season. But again, maybe you're putting too much hope, too much pressure on a player who's got such a torrid injury record. You do, but he isn't uh, He isn't going to be asked to be first choice anytime soon, I don't think. And Lindelof and Maguire speak a lot about their partnership and how they're enjoying that. Solskjaer seems to really trust, trust those two. And I think in the case of Maguire, it has been a lot of... Slightly undue criticism, I think, for him. I know that it's probably the £80 million price tag that is weighing him down and people expect you know, Virgil van Dijk levels of performance from him for, the, for that sort of money. But I don't think you can argue that Maguire hasn't improved United's back line and, and he does seem to play well with Lindelof. Lindelof hadn't had a, a storming season by any means, but I think he's had a solid one. They made a very, very shrewd signing in, in getting Aaron Wambasaka. And Luke Shaw is another sort of lightning rod for, for criticism, despite having had what I would say a very, very solid season. And we saw that when he was out the last few games of the campaign, I think he was really missed. Just his positional sense and the fact that he's a natural on the on the left flank to overlap Rashford when he cuts in. So I actually think the United defence functioned pretty well. And that's the only City and Liverpool conceded a uh, fewer than them. And that wasn't by much, I think, because Liverpool only conceded three goals fewer, I think it was, 36 and 33, I think, those numbers. Uh, so Solskjaer will, will, will use that as justification for how he's reshaped the defence, and I think it is right that the, defect, that the 
the onus and the emphasis in the transfer market does shift towards the attack. I'd, I'd probably agree with Samuel that another forward after Sancho or at least a, an attacking midfield type um, is probably the, the next necessary step. But, uh, you know, like we've, we've been saying on this podcast, whether it's doable in the in the current climate is is a tricky one. And certainly some of those players that we mentioned, about, um, the fans mentioned in terms of sales, they do need to, to go sharpish. That's got to be the next uh, the next target after Sancho to, to offload those players for me. Yeah, like I said, with the uh, packed fixture schedule uh, next season as well, there will be games, even maybe for some of the Champions League group stage games, there's got to be games where Bruno or Pogba or Sancho, if he signs, will be rested because they can't be playing two games a week for the whole season. That's just inconceivable. So you will you will need to rely on players. Maybe if they're still there, people like Pereira or Lingard would then be the, be the backup. And it's not just about United strengthening a start in 11 this summer, but it is about the squad depth. And, you know, it only takes maybe one bad result for United fans to start thinking the worst again. But they're on a high after qualifying for the Champions League. Uh, Samuel, you touched on it there. You did a story last week about Alexis Sanchez and Inter Milan, confident and keen on a permanent deal for him. In terms of maybe use them as a couple, Sanchez and Smalling, what's the latest on them? What do you expect to happen with both of them? Do you expect them both to, to have left United this summer? Sanchez, certainly. I mean, the way it was, when I, when I was told about it last week, I was told that it was it was close to happening and it looks like there are some reports um, out in Italy today saying that Inter could announce it on, on Wednesday. So, uh, I think, you know, well done to United. I know they'll they'll have taken a big hit on his on his valuation, but given they didn't actually pay a transfer fee for him, just getting him off the books is 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 great going. He's he's just been a disastrous signing. It's just not happened for him. It's like the the deluxe Michael Owen. He's he scored uh, he scored at Wembley. He did well in a derby. That was about it really. Um, so. With with Sanchez, I, I do see him going, which is good, and it also helps United uh, regarding Sancho because you've got the top earner at the club off the books. Um, there's a vacancy in attack. That's the leverage to go out there. You've got a little bit more money uh, regarding wages and and so on. With Smalling, I think Tyrone did the story on Sunday saying that um, uh, that. I mean, effectively, his his loan with Roma has ended now because it was extended only to the end of the, the Serie A season. And the word from United was that Roma weren't close to... In order to keep him for the Europa League campaign, they had to arrange for a new month-long loan or just, just buy him outright. And the word from United is that, that Roma aren't close to doing either of them. Um, I, I can't... I'm not quite sure what the... Uh, regulations are regarding um, squads for the Europa League this week. I don't know if it's still. I know I've seen like midnight tonight has been one of the deadlines floated about, but I don't know if it's still midnight the, the day before match day. Uh, UEFA seem quite vague on that. Roma don't play until Thursday, so if it's if it's the day before they actually play, then uh, I suppose you might get confirmation at midnight on Wednesday, unless Roma posts some thank you message to Smalling. But I, I still think there's there's every chance he will actually end up uh, sort of end up staying there uh, permanently because he wants to. Roma wants to keep him as well. Um, with with United, I, I guess you know in terms of negotiating fee, it could be tricky because he is his his stock has been on 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 the rise over the last year and. United spent, I think, £10 million to sign him just 10 and a half years ago. So I think they'd like to, just for the, even though 
it's such a such an awful lot of time has passed since since Smalling actually did join United. They'd like to say they ha- have actually made profit on him, um, but it, it remains to be seen whether Roma would would, would go in their direction on that one. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens in terms of the departures. Dom, from you, in terms of youngsters as well, going out on loan next season, Sam has always said that Teeth Chong's one who, who looks like he's gone to leave on loan. Uh, who else can we expect to, to go out on loan in terms of youngsters maybe next season? Yeah, there's a few that have done really well in the in the under-23s in the past season who who the club are sort of keen to to get out and go and, and sort of, you know, break their, break their experience in, in championship football, maybe, or League One football. James Garner's probably the the head of that list. Uh, I think he scored nine goals in twelve games in under twenty threes or under twenty ones football, and that was from central midfield last season, captaining the, the side uh, on a lot of occasions. And I think there's a fair bit of championship interest in him. Um, Swansea is probably the one that makes the most sense, given uh, Steve Cooper is in charge, who was Garner's boss at the uh, England under seventeens World Championships. Uh, a couple of years ago, and then there's Dylan Levitt, Rich, who I know you're a big fan of, Welsh midfielder. I think he's being considered. Uh, Ethan Laird as well might be another one, um, the fullback. Though, I guess if United uh, consider learning out Diogo Dallo, which which may be a possibility, there's been a few reports about that. Uh, maybe Ethan Laird is a is a reserve fullback, and I know Solskjaer is a big big fan of his. So yeah, there's a there's a few interesting names there, and I guess Hannibal Medjbury is one that, that people might keep an eye on. But I, I don't expect uh, Medjbury, who's a sort of attacking midfielder that United signed from Monaco uh, a year ago, I, I probably expect him to stay in in youth football and play a lot for the under 23s next season. So it's quite an interesting sort of time of change for the for the youth setup at the club at the moment. And, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens to those players who are all sort of like 19 years old now, 20 maybe. Um, a key point in their development. Yeah, exactly. If United did fail to sign another attacking midfielder this summer, it could open the doors to someone like Medjury to maybe get a glimpse of first-team football as well next season. But that's a, a long way off. There's a lot of time to go on that one. But in terms of youth players as well, Samuel, it brings us nicely onto the game this week against Las Glins. It is all but a dead rubber, really, with United 5-0 up that first uh, like win all the time back ago in March. Um, team selection for this one's going to be kind of interesting in the way you reported last week that United were considering sort of wholesale changes anyway for their sort of Europa League approach. But last particularly, it's a game which is all but over. It would take one of the worst results in United's history maybe to, to get knocked out of the Europa League. Now, 5-0 up. Just how much of a rotated side do you expect? Do you expect it to be youngsters or are you expecting more Jesse Lingard and Andreas Pereira to, to get there? I think a bit. I think a bit of both. I think this this will be the only one where there are wholesale changes. I think certain other players um, would, would possibly have a breather in in the quarterfinals, and then after you've rested them, maybe all the big hitters come back to semi-finals. I mean that that's that's the understanding that they are just looking to um, rest players in a very in a very gradual way before they get to, to if if they were to get to the latter stages. Excuse me, um, and then. When it comes to final, I mean that you have to play your your best team possible, and I think Solskjaer has given away what his best team is, and the only uh, the only change to it, given uh, Luke Shaw's injury, would be Brandon Williams. So it's it's effectively it's the team that lined up against Leicester. But with the last game, I mean it would be intri- I, I'm kind of I'm kind of looking forward to it just to see who who does play. Uh, I, I I do hope that certain youngsters uh, get a chance. I think Mengi. Tenmengi's 
got to be in line at least for a debut. If if not from the start, then then off the bench. But it's going to be players like Romero, Mata, uh, Lingard. If Dallo doesn't start, then he might as well not even travel to Germany. He might just might as well just tell his agent, look, get me the first loan out of here because it, it was humiliating enough not starting at Palace last month. Never mind not starting against Las Clemens. It is a game that United could field a bunch of competition winners in and, and probably still get through to the next round. So uh, hopefully there's something interesting that emerges from it from a from a newsworthy perspective, from a uh, from a talking point perspective. Uh, you know, games like this. I know it sounds weird, but <clears throat> they they can be they can be entertaining and enjoyable. That the classic case being the the Palace game in, in May 2017, with which had absolutely nothing riding on it, but because Mourinho gave all these uh, I mean I'm, I'm sure some people might refer to them as nobodies now given a lot of them have been released but there were so many fringe players and youngsters in the squad that day that um, United won Josh Harrop scored on his debut he's only you know one hit wonder I guess Angel Gomez came on for his debut and there was a real feel-good atmosphere around the place it didn't even matter that Mourinho uh, didn't didn't stick around for his post-match press conference uh, afterwards either. It was just the fact that um, you know the United Academy had 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 this great advertisement, if you like. So hopefully there'll be something like that in the game on on uh, Wednesday. But it is a tricky balance as well in that come the quarterfinal for a lot of players, it will be their first game in 15 days. And I suppose United are maybe a little bit conscious of managing. As, as in which players need more match rhythm, a little bit like Wayne Rooney used to, because if you gave him a rest, then, he, I mean, he was one of the slowest starters uh, as, as it got when he, he came back from injury. He, he never he never made a, a resounding return from injury. Um, as, as far as I can remember, he was always very, very uh, poor. And I think certainly before Euro 2012, when he was suspended for the first two games, he made the mistake of, going on holiday to Las Vegas of all places between the end of the season and the start of the Euros. Um, but I don't think United have got too many players um, aligned with his you know, his body, if you like, of his physicality. So, as I said, hopefully it's 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 an opportunity for some youngsters to get some playing time. Uh, but th- there'll be a lot to, to take in from the selections, as in, does does Lingard get a start? Does Dallow get a start? These, these fringe players who um, whose futures are a little bit up in the air. Yeah, I guess maybe the most interesting one it will be if he goes for Dallow, Laird, Fosu Mensah. There's there are options there as fringe players. But for for you as well, Dom, do you think this is maybe one last chance some players might have to prove they are still maybe got a role to play at United? Yeah, or it's the possible shop window, isn't it? Like, like Samuel says, for for certain players to maybe earn themselves a move elsewhere uh, and to, to show they're not sort of dead wood, which is a, a phrase fans like to use. I think it would just be a good a good chance for United to to regain a bit of momentum because they, they didn't finish the season. I know they finished third and and all was well, really, really with the Champions League qualification, but they didn't finish the season playing well uh, in any shape or form. So it's a balancing act, I think, a little bit for Solskjaer because it may be just a good chance for players to get a goal or two on the board and get some get some minutes. And, and especially with um, United competing for the only trophy that they can now win this season, you know, they want, want the first team to be back for you know maybe the second leg of the quarterfinal or the semi-final depending on on what happens and who they face but yeah I don't I don't maybe expect quite as many changes as, as many youngsters as as you say I, I think yeah I just think Solskjaer will 
we'll, we'll see it as a good morale boosting opportunity more than anything else. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it will be maybe more of a sort of FA Cup game sort of feel to it with people like Garlo playing and you never know who else will uh, get a run up but we'll see it's an interesting one last glins back on Wednesday night that'll be and we will be back as well to give you all the latest uh, transfer updates and we will also preview the hopeful uh, quarterfinals of the Europa League as well on our next podcast so Samuel Dom thank you very much for joining us this week on the Manchester is Red podcast thank you thank you and thank you as well for listening to the podcast. Like I said, we will be back again after the game against Las Glins and we'll bring you all the latest transfer news, as always, on the Manchester Evening News website. So thank you very much for listening and we'll see you again next time.